This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. And now I'm excited about a new natural wellness line from Plus CBD, CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothe irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of Plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD, plus L-theanine, and 5-HTP. CBD Sleep aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD Plus melatonin, as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm so you can get the rest you need and wake up alert and focused. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're answering your questions. Radio program at AOL.com, the destination for questions. Keep sending them. We're here. We're a resource to you. And Layla, what's the next question, please? We've got one from Trey. Greetings, Dr. Hoffman. Listen to your radio show on Saturday evenings while driving to pick up my son from his job. My wife and I are perplexed as to what to do with our son with respect to the COVID vaccine. He's 20 years old and employed at Amazon. He has to wear a mask all day except for breaks because he is not vaccinated for COVID. And I assume that is policy. Right. You know, but and just, just to, let me interject. Seen... Let me interject. It, it doesn't yeah. really make sense because we now know that people who are vaccinated can transmit the virus. So it, yeah. I think it's discriminatory to make people uh, who are unvaccinated wear a mask. They should wear a mask. I'm not saying they shouldn't wear a mask. But if they are told yeah. that they should wear a mask, I mean, the science uh, suggests that everybody should wear a mask because at this point with the Delta variant, even if you're vaccinated, uh, as a you know, recent study uh, showed in, in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and other studies are showing, uh, which prompted the CDC to to uh, you know, double down on mask mandates, universal mask mandates, not just for the yeah. unvaccinated. So that 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 policy should change. Um, and you know, the other thing about it is, <laughs> you know, you don't you have to show proof of vaccination to be able to take your mask off. It's more, it's mostly voluntary, so it's it's on an honor system. It's really crazy. Yeah, uh, it is. You know, it's like who's to say that some of the unvaccinated aren't going to take off their masks? You know, right, right. So Trey says, my wife and I have seen on the news how some people formed blood clots from the vaccine and later died. Some have had heart problems like myocarditis. We are afraid to get him vaccinated for fear of side effects. Yet we are equally afraid that he will eventually get COVID and won't know if he'll experience mild symptoms like myself and my daughter or severe symptoms, including death. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Okay. Mm. Well, you know, let's break it down. You know, we got a 20 year old and there's, there's several aspects to this. One is, uh, the aspect of uh, vaccine harms, potential harms to a 20-year-old. The other aspect, and this is because we're trying to weigh the risk-benefit equation of taking the vaccine. There's no clear-cut answer to this. It's all yeah. about the risk-benefit equation. So let's list the pros and let's list the cons. You know, so uh, from the standpoint of, uh, we have to look at, you know, what are his 
risks of having a vaccine reaction. And we have to look at what are his risks of having severe COVID. Uh, right. And the other consideration, and it's a practical consideration, is he's got a job. And the job is may eventually require that he get a vaccine. Uh, yeah. certainly make, they're putting a lot of heat on people who've not had the vaccination. So yeah. as for so a, a practical concern, and I've, I've, you know, shared this with people is, you know, let's say you have a kid who is administered to Harvard and Harvard is requiring that, you know, all returning students need to, um, need to get vaccinated. I mean, if the kid wants to go to Harvard, they got to get vaccinated. They got to take the risk of getting vaccinated. That's just, mm-hmm. a, you know, that's a real world thing, you know, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, uh, Caesar's. And yeah, it, uh, unless you, and the other choice is don't go to Harvard, go to, uh, you know, a state college in the South where they don't have a vaccine mandate. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know, that may be an, yeah. an alternative. So, you know, make a choice if it's that important to you, fine. Uh, 20 year old, uh, men, young men have a very slight risk of myocarditis. That's a serious problem. And however, from the, it, vac- the vaccine, from the vaccine, from the vaccine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's conceivable that getting COVID, you can get myocarditis, but this is a disturbing thing because, you know, you were fine. You did something elective and then you got a bad thing. And yes, th- then that's not good. And the other thing is, right. Uh, 20 year old males generally have very mild COVID and they don't die. It's almost inconceivable that they die. And it's almost incon- unless he's got, I mean, I don't know what his situation is. Is he obese? Is he diabetic? I mean, you know, if he's a, a healthy young man, uh, he has less risk, um, mm-hmm. you know, of dying of COVID. So you have to weigh all these things together and then make a choice. Um, one of the things I learned in talking to Galland is Dr. Galland uh, yesterday is that, and this is not 100%, there's no 100% uh, bulwark against vaccine reactions, but he recommends that patients take uh, up to three grams or 3,000 milligrams of quercetin uh, for yes. a few days as a prelude to the vaccine and for a few days afterwards. It won't reduce the efficacy of the vaccine, but it may make the body less likely to uh, have a vaccine reaction. Um in someone who is at risk for blood clots, uh, it might be reasonable to take an aspirin. I don't think an aspirin is going to uh, dent the immune protection that the vaccine is going to convey. Um, right. And so, you know, that, that could be an issue. But it, blood clots are relatively unlikely in young men. It's actually more with the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine more used in uh, Europe, although... Uh, J&J is here, that we're seeing yeah. the blood clots usually in younger women, women in their 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, so not so much this male, young male age group. But um, I mean, that that kind of brings up, you know, what about vaccine mandates for teenagers? Uh, oh. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm really not for it because I think and despite scare stories, and there was, a, a, I think, kind of a scurrilous scare story in the New York Times yesterday about long COVID in a kid who was 15. And it's like the kid who was like an honor student. He can't now he can't think his way out of a paper bag because he has long COVID. Um, but I think they just found a poster boy for some uh, dire scare story that's going to convince parents that they should have their kids vaccinated because it's very rare that children develop long COVID. It's it's not yeah. uncommon in in adults, middle aged adults and older adults, but 
it is relatively uncommon in kids. And, you know, it may be on the order of like less than 1%, but we have to have more experience with this to see. And also the Delta variant is now different. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, there will be more variants. And, That's and what viruses ex- do. Viruses going to be viruses. They're going to try to elude whatever measures we put in their path. Yes, and, like mask wearing and vaccinations. Right. And that, you know, yeah. that, I mean, we've, we've emphasized this issue. You know, a lot of people say, well, let's, you know, crush COVID, you know, get everybody vaccinated, have everybody wear masks, and then it'll go away. But actually, what we're doing is we're sort of increasing the selection pressure on the virus. When you increase selection spe- pressure on a species, um, it'll either die out, but more likely it, under selection pressure, it will evolve uh, measures just like antibiotic resistance develops. Yeah, you know, it will become more resistant. It will become more transmissible, which like is what Delta bug. is. They're like a comparing it to yeah. box. Right. It's just I mean, we're watching evolution in action. I mean, it took uh, it, it took yeah. humans millions of years to to reach uh, this this point in evolution. It may take viruses, uh, you know, a few months because they have a very mm-hmm. rapid rate of reproduction and um and we're putting a lot of selection pressure on them right and what what i find most concerning dr hoffman is it's all about the vaccine and there's no more mention of herd immunity via having had covid anymore well because of long covid i'm not about you know like a letter rip approach because i think unfortunately um uh, a high percentage of people are going to be sick long term and so you know it's it, it's kind of an, yeah. a dilemma. It's like, uh, uh, you know, even if people are confident that they're not going to have a, a really serious illness, uh, there's a risk around the order of perhaps as much as 10% that they could develop long COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why we, we did this um, special with Dr. Gallon that I recommend highly to you. Uh, oh, I can't wait to hear it. I can't yeah. wait to listen to that. Great. Uh, so it posted uh, yesterday and again Thursday, a special um, mm-hmm. two-hour edition of uh, Healing Long COVID. All right, yeah. um, on our podcast. So what's the next question, please? Well, I think it might be time to take a break. Oh, that's an excellent idea. Why didn't yes. I think of that myself? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there are two of us. All right. So let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this vital message with you. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Healthy Aging, providing you with the unique energy support of Pure NT Factor. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years with a 45-day money-back guarantee of nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Protocol for Life Balance, offering a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, 
Several stand out, which can help support your body's healthy detoxification process, including liver detox support, NAC, chlorophyll, and DIM plus CDG. This suite of products aids in the elimination of certain environmental toxins from the body, supports healthy cellular reproduction cycles and liver function, and promotes healthy hormone metabolism. They're backed by solid scientific data and available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make intelligent medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our questions. What's next, Layla? We've got an email from Kathy. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. Given that brown rice contains arsenic, how much is safe to eat per week? This is a great question, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah, you know, I, I first want to say... I'm sorry, I, I have that, to tell you that I yeah, was once macrobiotic. Many years I was macrobiotic. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I didn't die of arsenic poisoning... It's a miracle because, I, you know, that's that's like, I think every meal I had brown rice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for, it's a you know, of about you know, 10 or 12 years. Uh, right. So, it's, you know, so yeah. it, there's something to it. And that's one of the reasons why we test people for heavy metals because we'll, you know, if they eat a lot of uh, rice, especially brown, brown's worse than white, you know, because we tend right, to think of- that's the arsenic is held in the, uh, right- not the refined white rice. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. Arsenic is kind of everywhere. It's in the pesticides. It's in certain herbicides. If you're eating, for instance, if you're uh, fond of eating chicken and brown rice, often, especially conventional chicken, yeah. Commercial chicken. Yeah. They spray the feed of the chicken with, you know, pesticide and things. And that also contains arsenic. There are yeah. a lot of different ways for getting arsenic. And Apple juice. The levels, yeah. the levels would differ from batch to batch, from wherever you source it from. It is the, the best advice. And, you know, I remember this from undergrad nutrition. My professor said, uh, she said, nature's argument is always for variety in the diet. And it's not just to get, you know, all the colors and the phytonutrients and the flavonoids and the antioxidants. It's about reduce reducing your exposure to one particular toxin. Yeah, good. Don't eat tuna every day. Yes. Don't eat brown rice every day. Yes. Don't eat certain, you know, it's to reduce your level of exposure mm-hmm. to toxins right. in the environment because they're pretty much everywhere. The other thing is, Kathy, you want to make sure that your liver is clean, that you detox well. Dr. Hoffman, you know, you ate brown rice all those years and years and years. You probably detox really, really well. Right. And gen- genetically, from a genetic but standpoint, but also via some of the things I did, you know, like. Uh, yeah, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Taking things like NAC, taking things like glutathione, maybe even doing a detox uh, from time to time. So the question is how much is it safe to eat per week, the brown rice? I don't know. It depends on your source. Why don't you source organic brown rice? Mm-hmm. If you get it organic, well, what's the chance to have any of those? No, but, I, but here's the thing about rice, though. It, it, that may not work because it turns out that certain plants are bioaccumulators. They actually pull stuff mm. out of the soil. And uh, oh, they, I don't think they apply uh, arsenic uh, to uh, rice. I think it pulls mm-hmm. whatever 
tiny residues are in the soil, out of the soil, and, and it bioaccumulates. So, yeah. um, and, and it depends on where that is. Uh, there's some uh, areas of the world where there's a lot of arsenic in the soil, like Taiwan and Bangladesh. Uh, yeah. And arsenic exposure there occurs also through drinking water that's contaminated. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily industrially contaminated, but natural sources of arsenic. Now, uh, what is, is short of killing you, you know, like an arsenic old lace, you know, like a murder plot, what does arsenic do? One uh-huh. of the concerns about arsenic is that it uh, there is an association between uh, urine arsenic and the prevalence of type 2 diabetes. So it it's thought that wow. a fairly high percentage of people who have type 2 diabetes, uh, a contributing factor is excess arsenic. So, you know, maybe that's something we mm. should we should do more often is we should, when we see somebody with new onset type 2 diabetes, we should test them for arsenic levels, and then we can yes. make appropriate dietary recommendations. I mean, that's, I think, worthwhile because it's actually a significant contributor, uh, you know, in addition to sedentary lifestyle and poor diet. Yeah, yeah, good points. So, Kathy, eat a, a wide variety of different foods, food groups, all of that too lower your exposure, you know, try to grow organic where you can. But I think, Dr. Hoffman, it's also why it takes about five years of growing before you can get your organic stamp, so to speak. Like all of that stuff needs to be pulled from the soil. For Mm -hmm. example, uh, sunflowers also drop arsenic from the ground. And of course, you don't want to reuse those seeds and replant them. You want to throw them away. You don't want to burn them and release it in the air either. Yeah. So I think there are ways. It's all about having cleaner soil. It's all about the soil. Soil science. Yeah. yeah. And we're, yeah. we're really, and in a rush to have more productivity, uh, we're really damaging our soil quality. And then, you, of course, the pesticides, the glyphosate, Roundup, uh, damage the soil microbiome, and then we have less, uh, uh, you know, of the beneficial uh, nutrients in the soil for the plants. So, uh, you know, yeah. I'm really glad, by the way, and you might have heard this, uh, they're banning sales of Roundup, uh, but it's, it's delayed. They've got to get it clear out their inventory. It'll be banned by 2023. Um, oh, no. Because, you know, that glyphosate is so ubiquitous now in the environment that yeah. it's coming down to the rain. Yes. You know, you could, we could grow our organic plants in our backyard yeah. like my husband and I do, but we can't stop the rain. Yep. Yeah. Hey, that's from a, raining whatever, whatever is there. That's a good song lyric. Can't stop the rain. You know, remember that song? Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. A little pop culture oh, reference there. All right. Um, we got time so, for another question. Can we squeeze that in? Yeah. This is from Leslie. Um, this is not a question for the Q&A program. It is unfortunately far too controversial but here it is dr hoffman i've been yelling at your show dr hoffman <laughs> and i decided to share my frustration still with listen you. Okay, though why right? was I yelling? yeah i sometimes <laughs> i sometimes yell at the tv too you know i see some i, I do that i yell at the tv yeah I, 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 there's, and there's certain about? certain That's radio stations that i yell at too you know i as, yeah yeah well leslie says first i get extremely upset when you continue to promote promote the relative risk reduction of the mRNA vaccines of close to 95% that is touted by the farm companies and the media. The absolute risk reduction is closer to 1%. Don't you think the public should be made aware of this information? Hold on there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, 
that needs to be revised. And that was based on the the preclinical trials. So when they when they released these uh, vaccines with great optimism, they said they're 95% effective. Well, it turns out, and I have to push back on what this person is saying, they're not 1% effective. Uh, They are somewhere in the middle, in the the double digits, okay? Uh, And so we now know that the vaccines, uh, A, are less effective against the variant, but we also know that the vaccine's effects are waning. Uh, they're Because we didn't know that before, because they released them before yes. we had time to see how long the protection would last. So two things are happening right now. We have the Delta variant that's a little different. And we also have the waning of the efficacy of the vaccine in people who, who were uh, early adopters who took it uh, early in 2021. And now it's, you know, months, a few months down the line. And that's, you know, a surprise. Uh, it is but- a surprise. And we're just finding this out. You know, that's analogous to the antibiotic resistance you mentioned uh, earlier, yep, yep. that the, the potency of the antibiotics is waning because now there are more drug-resistant forms of yep. the bacteria or whatever is, is appearing. Right. So uh, now they're talking boosters. But go ahead. There's more to her comment, yeah. I think. And then, yes, Leslie says, next, you were citing an article stating that the Pfizer vaccine is much more effective at preventing breakthrough infections than the new Chinese vaccine, Sinovac. Right. None of the vaccinations are effective but, at preventing breakthrough infections. Well, hold, hold, we hold, didn't hold. know that then. No, 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 no. Hold on. Uh, that's yeah. a really distorted perspective, and it, it, it has a little bit of an anti-vax flavor, you know, that you want mm-hmm. to demonstrate that the vaccines are basically junk, that they don't work. And we can't say that, but we what we can say is that the Sinovac, there are breakthroughs. Sinovac is not used in the United States, but it used a lot in the third world, and it's used a lot in Latin America. And now we're seeing breakthroughs on the Sinovac. The Sinovac, uh, you know, there's a little schadenfreude there because, you know, we're in competition with China, and we're saying, ah, ha, ha, your vaccine isn't working that well. And lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, we discovered that our vaccines aren't working that well. And I, I believe it's still true that... Uh, the vaccines Moderna and Pfizer and possibly Johnson and Johnson are still more efficacious than the Sinovac, um, yeah. which may have like low, lower double digit protection. But by the way, just simply because, you know, we have this notion of a case academic, you know, like we have cases, cases, yes. cases. We had a lot of cases, but generally they are milder cases. And that's, I think, what's going to happen with Delta is that I don't think we're going to see like, uh, you know, freezer wagons pulling up uh, in front of hospitals so that they can refrigerate corpses. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, a lot of cases. Breakthrough yeah. cases, but the cases will be milder. There'll be less hospitalizations. I don't think the hospitals will be overwhelmed, except in certain areas where they have, you know, certain areas they don't have great uh, hospital coverage. Uh, yes. And, you know, they're they're going to get pressured, but not um, overwhelmed. And uh, it makes good headlines, you know, that uh, it's back, it's back, you know, it's, but that's the alarmist tone of the media. And also, I think certain politicians want to leverage uh, the surge to substantiate their uh, mandates and, and to encourage yes. people to get vaccines because like, you know, how do you get people to take vaccines? You give them money, you know, you could give them, uh, uh, you can give prizes. them, uh, you know, what are the donuts, you know, you can, uh, yeah, right, right. That kind of thing. Uh, or you can make it really uncomfortable Water for people tickets. who are not taking vaccines uh, or you can scare the hell out of people. And frankly, um, this, the, the, 
the Delta variant has been uh, good for vaccine uptake. I mean, there's been a, an increase in the number of people taking the vaccine because a lot of people are going, hey, this really is pretty serious. I think I'm going to jump in the, in the game and I'm going to take the shot. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this person uh, has a bit of an agenda, which is, I mean, a well-meaning agenda because they you know, are honestly concerned about the vaccines. But to yeah. deny the efficacy of the vaccine and say that there's like 1% or, you know, it's not effective at all. The vaccines uh, have uh, prevented serious disease. They don't, they're not a perfect bulwark. I mean, that's, I think that they were, they were oversold. They were oversold. That's what's happening. Yeah. Leslie, thank you for your comments. Yeah, we appreciate it very much. And uh, not to, yeah. not to demean you, but I, I just have to apply yeah. a, a correction because, um, you know, we want to be factual about this. Uh, and again, sure. it, this is not to suggest that I'm like a, a, a you know, a, a conventional spokesperson. You know, I'm not Tony Fauci. I'm <laughs> not head of the National Institute of Allergy and Immune Diseases. I'm not spearheading the vaccine effort. I'm just a, uh, an impartial ob- observer uh, on the COVID scene, you know, applying um, my best judgment as to what's happening and trying to inform our listeners in a hopefully unbiased way. Yes. Absolutely, Doctor. On that note, Mm -hmm. uh, let us uh, sign off. Uh, Please send your questions. Yes, and to remind everyone, radio program at AOL.com to send your your questions. That's radio program at AOL.com. Okay, great questions today. Keep them coming. Enjoy the rest of the summer. And worry not, because eventually this too shall pass. Yes. Keep it in mind. Fingers crossed. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is. Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mudin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212 212- Seven seven nine one seven four four. That's two one two seven seven nine one seven four four. I look forward to being a collaborator in your healthcare.